Hi, everyone. Welcome to Ask the Horse Live. I'm your host, Michelle Anderson, Digital Managing Editor of The Horse. Tonight, we're talking about winter horse care. Some people love winter. It's the Christmas lights, snow, cuddling up under a warm blanket next to a crackling fire. Those people are not horse people. If you're like me, winter means short days, much less riding, wrangling horse blankets, untangling trough heaters, and snow packed into horses' feet. And somehow, I end up with ice and mud at the same time. So how can we make sure that our horses are getting the best care even when the weather is working against us? To help guide us, we're joined tonight by Dr. Karen Waite, who's an equine extension specialist at Michigan State University. Welcome, Dr. Waite. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah. So how cold is it where you live? Um, actually, right now it is about 34, and that's up from the last 24 hours or so when it was in the teens. <laughs> I'm here in central Oregon, and it is pouring down rain. Hopefully that means there's snow in the mountains, but right now we're just we're just uh, wet, which is not normal for us. But uh, before we jump into our questions, Dr. Wade, can you tell us a little bit about your experience managing horses uh, in the cold weather? Sure. So as many of our listeners probably know, it gets pretty cold in Michigan. Um, and I know we have a few people who've asked questions from Minnesota and some other states that uh, Alberta, Canada, you all probably can add quite a bit about cold weather uh, horse management do, but I um, actually have four horses at home, and so I get daily dose of doing all the things that you mentioned as it relates to uh, breaking ice off water buckets and water tanks and heated water tanks or not heated water tanks and all of the things that come with um, managing horses in the winter. So um, I have a fair bit of experience, um, both personally and professionally in that area. I am the faculty coordinator at Michigan State, um, and so we have a barn manager who gets to do a lot of the real dirty work for uh, 80 horses. Um, we breed Arabian horses at Michigan State, so we have about 80 on the farm, and when we have emergencies or issues, um, Sometimes I get involved in those too, but mainly my uh, experiences with my own horses. Yeah, yeah, I have four horses. Um, they're usually all four of them are at home right now. I have one because it's winter. He's at a barn where I can ride her, but I just think when I'm out there filling water buckets for three horses in the barn, I think of my trainer and her people filling buckets for you know 30 plus horses, and I'm glad to only have three at home. <laughs> so um, I want to give everyone a quick review of our Ask the Horse Live format before we get started. We're going to begin with a question yes. that everyone submitted yes. during registration. If you have a question you'd like to ask live or would like a clarification on a response, you can enter it in the chat window in front of you. We're going to do our best to get to as many of your questions live as possible. If you're listening to our archive or our podcast and you're interested in joining us during our live events, you can register to receive our announcements at thehorse.com or visit thehorse.com slash askthehorselive. So let's go ahead and get started. And Dr. Waite, I think we might have a little bit of a delay between the two of us in our audio. Um, I don't know if you've noticed that, but just uh, be aware of that as, as we're talking back and forth. Um, I think we're having a little bit of a, a technical difficulty. 
We're going to start with Debbie in California. Debbie says she has a healthy 17-year-old mare with a decent coat. Uh, the mayor has a stall, but likes to stand in the rain. Does she need to wear a turnout sheet when she's standing out in the rain? Um, I, I guess my answer to this question, if she has a decent winter coat and she's a good body weight, um, you are almost further ahead to, depending on the temperature and that sort of thing, um, to, to just let her stand in the rain, to be honest, if that's what she wants to do and she has a good hair coat. Um, obviously, if it gets windy, uh, that might be a little different story, but sometimes turnout sheets, um, I mean, the water, if you have a good waterproof one, um, that can work really well, but those sometimes get soaked and you have to check them on a regular basis. Um, so I think if she's comfortable that way, I would forego the sheet unless it gets real windy or her coat gets real flat and wet. Uh, we have a question from Tracy in Minnesota, and she wants to know, how hard is the frozen ground on your horse's legs and body when riding? So this is always a challenge. You want to ride, you want to keep them moving during the winter, but the arena footing is frozen and hard. Is it okay to go ahead and ride them on that footing? Um, I would say you need to be a little bit careful with that. Um, you know, a hard on its own isn't necessarily a terrible thing. Um, actually, there's some research that would suggest that walking and trotting on um, an asphalt and that sort of thing has the potential to stimulate um, tendon strength and bone strength. So there's that, and, and frozen ground probably would be similar, but my concern would be more the effect it has on the hooves and the soles of the feet and the potential for bruising and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, if, if you're walking and trotting mainly, uh, maybe a little light cantering as long as there's not sharp um, areas in the frozen ground, it's probably okay. Um, but I would pay a lot of attention to the soles of my horse's feet to, to look for bruises and that sort of thing. So I have... Uh one of those horses that has a lot of energy, especially when it's cold out. And so to do a slower, easier ride on hard ground is challenging because she wants to go or needs to go to burn off some energy. Do you have any recommendations for that, that kind of horse? Uh, my suggestion in that situation would be turnout and <laughs> the opportunity for them to be turned out and work out some of their energy for a while before you ride. Um, would probably be the, and especially if you've got snow and that sort of thing that um, that minimizes some of that impact. But um, the more turnout, the better is kind of my theory when it comes to that sort of thing. Uh, we have a question from Lori in Indiana, and she says she lives in southwest Indiana and has a five-year-old quarter horse gelding. And for the first time in his life, he seems to be shivering this winter. What could be the cause and what should she do about it? Um, you know, when I read this question, I had a lot more questions, which mm -hmm. is one thing that probably is a little annoying about academic types. But the questions I had about this particular gelding um, was he outside? Had his coat gotten wet? 
um, it's not unusual for horses to shiver even in a little warmer temperatures. I know we've had times here in Michigan when it's been 45 or 50 degrees um, and when they get wet and the wind is blowing they have a tendency to shiver. So um, I'm, I'm curious about body condition score. I'm curious about if that's different than it has been um, previous years. So I guess I have a lot more questions than I do answers as it relates to this particular um, question. So there's so many things that can cause a horse to shiver that I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm not even sure where to start with what might be the cause. Uh, but the first thing I would look at would be, um, is the hair coat flattened? Is it wet and so sticking to the body? Because that's usually when they start to shiver in my experience. Yeah, so I thought it was interesting that it's a five-year-old horse. I have a, an older gelding who has started shivering, uh, and I guess I can I expect that as they age, that maybe I'll see some changes in how they handle the weather. Um, but are there some health things that maybe um, this horse owner should talk to her vet about that, that might be changing for this younger horse? Um, I think that probably, you know, if it's a consistent shivering, regardless of what else is going on with the hair coat, I think I might talk to my vet. Um, but I, you know, also consider body condition score and that sort of thing. So, yeah, if everything is as it's always been and he's just starting to shiver, then I think I would probably talk to my veterinarian about it. And I know as horse owners, when we do see our horses shiver, I know it, it can be upsetting. You know, we aren't used to seeing them shiver. Um, is that something that, that someone should be really concerned about? Does that mean that their horse is going to be hypothermic or is it something that maybe just get them warmed up a little bit or that's their natural way of dealing with being cold and so it's just a natural response? Um, and if that's the case, how do you know when it's serious versus not? Uh, yeah, and again, a lot of it has to do with context and what's going on, but shivering is what animals and humans do um, to try to, when they're cold, to try to generate some heat. So drying them off, moving them around, you know, if the shivering stops once they've had the opportunity to dry off and warm up a little bit, then I guess I wouldn't worry about it very much. It, it is, you know, it's nothing we want to see, um, but you know, there are some horses, I have a friend right now who has a younger horse who um, does shiver or has been shivering some. He doesn't have a very thick hair cut, but he's been shivering and she's since gone through, I think, three blankets now because when she blankets him, he pulls the blanket off and destroys it. Mm -hmm. So it can be frustrating, um, but I would say, you know, getting them dried off, getting them warmed up a little bit, moving them around some. Um, it's, it is fair, it is a natural response most of the time, um, probably not a lot to be concerned about unless it, you know, it's, it's continuous, then, then that would be a concern. Um, our next question is from Donna in New Mexico, and she wants to know if there's a time that you should blanket a horse when you generally don't. Um, I thought this was kind of an interesting question too. Um, 
typically at this point I don't blanket my horses but last year we had and I, I she's from New Mexico so I don't know if they experienced this but we had a polar vortex situation where it was 34 degrees below zero and for a couple of days and my horses and horses in this part of the country just aren't used to that kind of cold um, horses are pretty good at acclimating to temperatures if they're consistent uh, um, anyway but but nobody really was prepared for 34 degrees below zero so in that circumstance even though my horses had good body conditions and good hair coats I chose to blanket just to try to mitigate um, just how bitterly cold it was um, so that might be a time if there's an issue with body condition score so if they've gotten thin for some reason whether it's illness or age or something else um, that might be a time to consider blanketing because the one thing that blanketing will do is help horses not use up their energy as much trying to stay warm um, and so they're not using up so much energy trying to stay warm and maybe burning off even more body condition so if you've got a horse that's thin a horse that's older or this the situation is just not what they're used to or what they've been had time to acclimate to then that might be when I would consider blanketing if I typically didn't we have a question from Mary in our live audience and she wants to know if some horses just don't grow enough coat naturally I think there are some individual variation in the kinds of coats they grow. Um, I have, you know, my horses don't have particularly long winter hair, but they have very thick, shorter coats, or at least one of them has a thick coat, but it's it's short compared to her yearling and weanling, who both have relatively thick hair coats that are relatively long. But um, so I think there's some individual variation in the kind of winter hair they grow. Um, but um, and, and in some circumstances, you know, you may have horses that were inside or in a heated barn or something like that. And so they just didn't really grow a lot of hair um, or they came from a part of the country where they didn't grow a lot of hair. But um, in general, they will have some form of winter coat. It might just be a little bit different. As I'm sure you know, there's a lot, lot of controversy about blanketing horses, and you know this time of year is when <laughs> yes. things start. Yeah, so it starts going around Facebook, different memes or different arts on when you should blanket or why you shouldn't or why it's the worst thing ever, or why not blanketing is the worst thing ever. Um, so we got a lot of questions um, about blanketing, and we have one from Bobby in Maryland, and she wants to know if putting a sheet on in cold weather will just flatten the hair and make your horse colder than they would be without the sheet. So can you talk to us a little bit about how the coat functions and how putting that blanket changes how the horse's natural coat works? Sure. So essentially what happens with uh, a horse's hair coat or really any animal with hair is that it um, when it's when an animal's cold, that hair will fluff up or has the potential to kind of fluff up and hold heat within um, the hair coat. And, and that's part of what keeps the animal warm. So I know the theory is that if you put a blanket or a 
sheet on in cold weather, the hair can't engage in that fluffing activity potentially, um, and it might actually make the animal colder. But I also think maybe we ought to consider, even though our hair is a little bit different, um, typically we put a hat on in cold weather. Um, it doesn't flatten our hair and make us colder. Um, our heads tend to stay warm, probably be just because we're holding that body heat in through the blanket. And I think that that's a little what horses go through, too, with blankets. Um, maybe it, the coat doesn't fluff up to the same extent that it might without the blanket, but I think the body heat also is held in, and so the animal stays warm in that regard. Um, I don't think there's any long-term permanent damage in blanketing horses, personally. I've, I've not ever noticed or experienced that kind of thing, you know, unless it's a horse that has herda or some sort of um, genetic condition that causes problems, and that's not a hair coat issue, obviously. But, um, you know, I, I know there's a lot of controversy here. Um, I don't think blank it's necessarily, as long as they're dry and, and checked on a regular basis, I don't think blankets make horses colder. Um, I don't think not blanketing necessarily makes a horse warmer. Um, so I, I think we just need to make the best choices we can given our horse's body weight and hair coat condition and, um, and go from there. So one of my concerns is having my horse actually be too warm in a blanket. Um, is that something that concerns you at mm -hmm. all? And is there, are there signs that we can look for that horses are uncomfortable um, because they're blanketed and they have a full coat and they're inside a barn and, and maybe it's a little toastier than necessary for them? Oh, for sure. Um, and that kind of, I, I don't want to get ahead of the the question order here, but I know um, Janet in North Carolina had asked about layering blankets. Um, you have to be really, when you use blankets, it's not, um, and I'm, I don't think anybody on this call thinks this, but blankets are not just, you put the blanket on and you never have to check again. To me, if you're using blankets, you have to be even more vigilant and check them every day, but, and and maybe several times a day, but feeling under the blanket. And, and when horses get hot, they start to sweat. And when they start to sweat or get tacky underneath the blanket, then it's probably time to remove a blanket because what you don't want is a horse to get wet, that hair to get flat, and then for them to get chilled um, because of, of that too. So um, you, you really have to pay attention when you use blankets um, to make sure that the horse isn't excessively warm either and, and sweat or excessive heat under the blanket will tell you that. Yeah. Plus you and have, you know, you're holding moisture in so there's the opportunity for skin problems and some other things too. So uh, you mentioned Janet in uh, North Carolina's question about layering, layering blankets, uh, and there's the aspect of warmth. But are there any other concerns with layering blankets? Is it a good to, good idea to do that? Um, you know, and maybe you, Michelle, maybe you have some thoughts on this. But um, my primary concern with layering blankets is just the matter of them getting too warm. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know of other concerns related to the practice. Um, 
I've, I have plenty of friends who do it and um, I've not, I don't think they've ever had negative experiences that I'm aware of, but I would certainly want to be extra vigilant and making sure they don't get too hot. Yeah. I think the challenge with layering blankets, I've definitely done it, is just the fit and things sliding around and getting rubbing. Yeah. I, yeah, I feel sure. like I start every, sure. when I do blanket and I don't, I don't blanket very often. It just depends on if I'm showing or not, or my horses, their needs. Uh, so I, I'm not either direction. Like I, I don't have to do it either way. Um, I really just go case by case. Um, but when I do blanket, you know, I start out the beginning of the season with the right blankets and the right sizes and they're all clean and they're ready to go. And then we get a big snowstorm and you're two weeks in. And by that point, you're just grabbing whatever's still dry <laughs> and might fit. And sometimes it does. You know, right. Right. So it's really depends on the circumstances. Right. So, you know, best best case. No, but yes, I, I definitely have. So um, it, it's right. it's an interesting question. I have you know, I have so many blankets out there. It's kind of overwhelming. <laughs> But um, we have uh, yeah. we have a question from Melissa in Idaho, and she wants to know if there's any standard for what is a light, a medium, or a heavy white weight blanket. Are all brands the same when you're looking at the weights, and how do you know which ones that your horse should be wearing? Um, to the best of my knowledge, there isn't a manufacturing standard per se, um, but each company seems to have um, their own descriptions regarding their light, medium, and heavyweight blankets. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't want to use brand names, but um, there are a variety of places that do sell blankets. Um, maybe I'll use a couple just by way of example. Um, but Schneider's is one uh, that does a really nice job, I think, of describing um, their light, medium, and heavyweight blankets and what temperatures they're good for and that kind of thing. Um, State Line, I think, does does a similar thing. But I would say no, all blankets aren't, or all brands aren't the same. Um, so you do have to pay a little bit of attention to each description. Um, and, and what those companies feel like their blankets are rated for, so to speak. They're not officially rated that I know of, but um, I, I also, I, I'm not sure if we skipped Joyce in Kansas, but she had talked about or asked about the proper way to measure a horse blanket. Um, the, the way I've always been familiar with, or maybe some slight brand differences. So, so pay a little attention to that, but measuring using a, a measuring tape, preferably a cloth one, if you have a long enough one, but, um, if you're, it's always also one interesting way to desensitize your young horses, if you use a metal measuring tape, um, but from the center of the chest, um, around the horse's body to, um, just under the, the even, but the center of the, the buttocks, so to speak, um, is usually pretty standard for how to measure a blanket size. Mm -hmm. And I find that each one of my horses, a different brand fits each one of them better. Like I don't have all of one kind of blanket um, brand. I have one mm -hmm 
brand for one horse. Like my my thoroughbred is built in a way that a certain brand fits her better than my um, giant warm blood um, and what fits him. Mm-hmm. Um, so there seems to be a lot of variance and it's a little bit of uh, just playing with it um, and trying them out and seeing what works um, for, yeah. for each And horse. there are some that have have adjustable shoulders and some of those kinds of things. And those are kind of nice because you can, you know, maybe use the same blanket and other horses, but yeah, a lot of times um, because of conformational differences in the way the blankets are made and that sort of thing, you may find that you, that a certain brand works great on one, but not so great on another. Yeah. Uh, we have a question from our live audience. Um, Concetta, which I'm not sure if I'm saying her name correctly, she said that she has horses in Phoenix and are they're used to being in temperatures that are 110 degrees plus. So when they get down to 45 degrees, she throws a blanket on the horses. She wants to know if she's crazy to do that. I don't think so. Um, you know, they're used to super warm weather, so 45 degrees, unless they've had some time to get to 45 degrees um if if that seems if they comfortable that way i i sure would say they they, i'm sure they have no winter hair to speak of Mm -hmm. um so no i don't i don't i wouldn't judge anybody who did that in that circumstance we have another question from our live audience our live audience, Mary wants to know how often do blankets need to be washed? She's thinking about the underside that's against the coat and might cause skin issues that you could get fungus under there. Uh, what are, what are your recommendations for how frequently they should be cleaned? And then maybe some recommendations on how to clean them. Um, you know, it's, it's like we, I'm going to sound like a broken record between this and when we start talking about, Hey, then I'm really going to sound like a broken record, but you do have to keep a really close eye on both the outside and the underside of the blanket um, and, and for moisture and that kind of thing. If you're, if things stay relatively clean and you take the blankets off um, several times a week and brush the horse and look at the underside of the blanket and, and things seem to be going all right, um, I, you could go a whole season potentially. And by season, I just mean you know, a winter, but I'm talking about myself who only uses blankets a few times a a season. So if you have a horse that's blanketed consistently, um, as long as there's not a lot of moisture and there's not a lot of dirt in there and the horse is kept clean, um, you could probably get away with two or three times a season. Um, But, you know, if everything stays clean, you go a whole season and, and just wash at the end of the year or that kind of thing or the end of the winter um so again it, it it's pretty circumstantial it really depends on the context and do you have recommendations for how to clean them um and my husband would say not in our washer <laughs> that's what my husband says too yeah <laughs> they, they don't like so, hair and, and the other thing is most no no um, you know, if you can, if you can still find a laundromat that has extra large, um, washers and dryers that will let you use horse blankets or let you wash horse blankets, um, I would say try to find one of the bigger ones. It doesn't really help to stuff them into a too small washer necessarily either. They're not going to get very clean. 
um, depending on when you're doing it, you know, you might just wash them and then hang them out on a fence to dry and that kind of thing if it's it's spring or it's warmer. But if you need to use a dryer, then I would find a, a, a laundromat that has those extra large washer and dryers and, and do it there. Yeah. And then be, be kind to everyone else and clean them out when you're done. Yeah. And, and really, if you want to be a, a good citizen, and I think that, you know, we should probably do that as horse owners, um, you can run another cycle. And some laundromats around my area anyway require they have signs on their washers and such that if you're going to wash a horse blanket then you need to pay to run the washer empty after the fact just to try to get some of the mud and dirt out which i don't mm -hmm. think is unreasonable no not at all especially if they're super muddy to start with yeah so i at some point along the way someone told me to take blankets and turn them inside out and hang them in the sun to get uv light on them to kill microbes um, I don't know if there's any research on that, um, but is that something that, that you recommend? I haven't seen any research on that either, but, you know, it's sure not going to hurt. Um, and like I said, I, I haven't seen any research, so I don't know how beneficial it is or isn't, but I would say everything benefits from some sunshine. So it probably isn't going to hurt. Yeah, that might be a fun research project for a, a master's student. <laughs> to try yeah there you go we'll have to think about that yeah. uh we have a question from uh rochelle in ohio and we're we're transitioning here to feeding in the winter and hay she wants to know is a better quality hay needed to be fed in the winter as opposed to hay fed during the summer when horses are out on pasture um i would say Probably, um, you know, you might get away with the same quality hay depending on your hay quality. But um, if you have a, a hay that's relatively high in energy, um, that's the appropriate protein level um, there, you know, you do want good quality hay in the wintertime. Um, in the summer, you can get away with something maybe that isn't quite as good just because they are on pasture. Um, and so they're probably only eating hay if they're when they're inside. Um, if they're on pasture 24-7, they might not need supplemental hay at all. Um, at MSU, we have really good quality grass and alfalfa pastures, and we don't start to feed supplemental hay until about November, typically. So um, yeah, I would say in the wintertime, you want to make sure your hay quality is pretty good because they are going to be relying on that um, for, at least in this part of the world, for, the, for their, all of their nutrition in the winter um, as compared to summer. Do you recommend getting a hay analysis on what you're feeding your horses during the winter? Yeah, I think you want to, if you're not comfortable, um, assessing hay um, and, and maybe recognizing what's mature. Um, if you have grass hay with seed heads, that's that's pretty mature. That's overly mature probably. Um, so you're not going to get as much nutrient out of a product like that. 
as compared to um, grass seer haze that don't have seed heads if we're, if we're looking at grass. Um, if you have alfalfa that has a lot of flowers in it, that's pretty mature, although alfalfa is going to be pretty high in nutrient, both protein and energy uh, regardless, um, most of the time. So uh, if you're not real comfortable or confident in that, then having your hay tested um, and preferably from a lab that, that does um, horse hay testing. Um, I think it's Equistat, I think, in Pennsylvania will send you a report that's actually designed for horses. Um, so it's a little easier to read as compared to your typical lab. You might send hay to that brings you or gives you dairy results. Um, not always super helpful. So, um, yeah, it's not a bad idea to get your hay tested. We have a question from Allison in Alberta, Canada, and she wants to know is what is the best feeding plan for horses that live outside throughout the winter and are not blanketed? Um, so my first suggestion for anything that involves any sort of feeding plan for any horse ever is lots of forage as much hay or as much pasture as they want and you can provide um, is is the best option um, but from a feeding plan pers feeding plan perspective um, you want to keep them at a body condition score about five um, and you know I'm sure the horse has plenty of information as to what body condition scoring is if you're not familiar with that but you don't want them to get excessively heavy. Um, you know, you want them to have a little, you know, it's not going to hurt them to be a six or something like that just because they are working on staying warm, especially in Alberta, Canada. Mm -hmm. um, but plenty of hay, and if they can't keep weight on with the hay that you have, then you're going to need to add grain. Um, but you can get by with the right quality hay and horses with body condition score five and full winter hair coats without feeding grain at all to be honest. Um, so you just have to body condition score regularly, put your hands on them, make sure that the ribs are, are near the surface, but not, um, you know, not so easily felt and um, feed according to body condition score. But the good thing about hay is that they, they will digest that and produce heat when they digest it more uh, more heat than they will when they um, consume grain so the more plus it's kind of what the, it is what they were designed to eat is some form of forage um, so the best thing you can do for them is to get enough hay and to them or give them access to hay and for those who are listening live online our web producer Jennifer has shared a couple links for you guys I'll go ahead and read them allowed for anyone who might want to look them up. We have more information on hay analysis at thehorse.com slash 19037. And then we have uh, body condition scoring information at thehorse.com slash 137703. So if you're looking for those resources, uh, those are some, some guides for you. Um, we have a question from Santana in Maryland, and she wants to know if you have any advice for preventing injuries to our horses on icy pastures. 
Um, yes, unfortunately. <laughs> um, several years ago, I uh, went out of town and it was not, there wasn't any sort of anything on the ground. Um, and when I came home, apparently it had rained and then there was snow over the top of that. And to add insult to the unfortunately impending injury, mm. um, it had rained prior to that, froze, so there was snow over the top of it, and the horses had been in for a day or so. And so, of course, what horses do when they've been inside and they go outside is basically blow up a bit and run around and, and burn off some of that energy. And so if your horses are outside 24-7, they seem to do a pretty good job of navigating ice unless it's, um, you know, it's just everywhere or, or they can't get to feed and water. You have to, to have to keep an eye on that. But if you're turning out for part of the day and they're in for part of the day, um, ever since that episode, I had two horses that actually wound up going down. Um, one, I had a really hard time getting back up, um, and that was a scary situation. Uh, one of them was an older mare who, who also um, was very heavy. And, and to make a long, long story short, we wound up losing her. Um, so it was a horrible situation. And, and since then, if there's even a chance that there might be, you know, there's not enough snow cover, or I know I'm more familiar now. That was also the first year we lived on this property. So I'm really familiar now with where the water settles in the turnout lots and that kind of thing. And if it's icy, I just won't turn them out personally. Um, and we don't have a ton of pasture. We don't have a big property. We have small turnout lots. And so I would rather, and, and last winter, unfortunately, we had rain and then that rain froze. And my horses were in for a month and a half, probably. And I just walked them every day up and down the barn aisle and tried to get them moving at least. But I really didn't have a great opportunity for giving them exercise. Um, and so, but I would way rather do that than have them slip and fall on ice. I've had friends that have lost horses. And, and like I said, in the end, we wound up losing that mare too. And, um, it's it's nothing you want to do. Uh, so if you have access to an indoor arena and you can work them inside, do that. If they're out 24-7, they usually are pretty good about taking care of themselves as long as they can get to food and water. But um, if you're in a turnout situation, I just don't do it anymore. Yeah. Do you have any recommendations for traction? things that people can do to make because I know like around those high traffic areas gates the water troughs that tends to be where uh, water will end up and then you have ice around your water trough um, mm -hmm. do you have any management um, you know we sense that yeah we have taken to putting um, I mean we call it slag but it's kind of a gravelly material in the really high traffic areas it keeps it kind of roughed up and it, it's elevated a little bit so the um, and especially near gates and the water tanks and that kind of thing so that provides a little more traction and seems to help um, but the other thing unfortunately that happens is it freezes and it thaws and it freezes and it thaws and you know it's muddy and then they work up the mud and then that freezes and 
And so, and that actually is a little less dangerous to me than those areas where the water just settles in, in puddles and that kind of thing, and then that freezes. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's even more slick and more likely to cause falls and that kind of thing. A lot of the things that you're going to do to try to mitigate freezing and, and mud and some of those sorts of things you, you need to do in the summertime. Um, get really familiar with where water settles in your pasture areas and try to elevate, you know, provide either more material to elevate those or, or divert water, um, whether it's through tiling or something like that. Um, those are the kinds of things you do long before it freezes. We have a question from Carl in Vermont who wants to know what special precautions or step for hoof steps for hoof care are important for horses that are turned out in the snow and other winter precipitation. Um, so as far as hoof care goes, um, you know, if you have a horse that has strong enough feet and thick enough soles, um, oftentimes they do better, it seems, without shoes. Uh, but if you have, a, like, I have a gelding that needs um, needs to keep shoes on. I've tried several times to take his shoes off in the wintertime, and he just is too sore to deal with that. So we keep shoes on him, and the farrier puts pads on this time of year so he doesn't get snow or ice caught between the shoe and his foot. Um, there are some shoes that have um, studs that can help. Um, with snow and, and winter precipitation. Um, I guess I would check the f if you have barefoot horses that are potentially on icy ground, I would look at their feet on a regular basis and look for bruising and that sort of thing um, and, and work with your farrier to address those sorts of situations. We have a question from our live audience. Uh, Gabriel wants to know if you have any information on clipping active horses during the winter, so body clipping um, horses that are going to be blanketed. Yeah, I, I think that clipping can be really helpful for those horses that are working on a regular basis. Um, you know, there are lots of different types of clips, but um, even just a clip of the, the neck and the jugular area will allow them to cool out a little more quickly than if they have a full winter hair coat. Um, and, you know, again, there are a lot of different types of clips, and that's sort of a personal preference thing. But if you are going to clip, um, then you do need to pay attention to blankets because um, and use blankets most likely because um, – while you want them to dissipate heat and, and make sure they're plenty dry before you turn them back out, they do have areas um, that, you know, that the benefit of clipping is that they'll exchange heat and cool out more, but that also means they get cold in those areas too. So um, you're going to want to use blankets if you have one that's clipped. Uh, we have a question from our live audience. Debbie wants to know if there's a difference in the heat generated by feeding grass hay versus alfalfa when the horse is dusting it? You know, I'm going to say maybe. <laughs> How's that for uh, – I don't know that it's a, a it's a difference that anyone has necessarily measured, but um, it it is going to depend a bit on the fiber content regardless of, of either hay type. Um, the the, you know, if it's pretty fibrous, you're going to, the, there's going to be more fermentation and, and 
fiber is not a bad thing. That's part of why we like forage. Uh, but it, it's going to be the difference in fiber content more than anything that's going to cause one to generate more heat than another. Um, alfalfa is much higher in energy and protein than grass, um, but sometimes it's too high um, in protein for for a lot of mature horses anyway. So um, it's possible that there would be a difference, but I think it's going to be more related to um, the fiber content overall. We have a question from Ken in Ohio. He says, do you have any tips for mud control during the winter? Winter. So we talked about the ice, but what about the mud? But kind of going back to what I had sort of alluded to before, um, my, my suggestions for controlling mud in the winter is to start in July um, when you have some sense of where the mud tends to build up. And you can use... You know, there are geotextile fabrics where you can put um, those in high traffic areas that can minimize some of the mud. Um, one of the best ways to control mud is to have a really good pasture management plan. Um, so, the, you know, if you have large pastures um, and the right stocking rate, you know, not overstocking can, can or putting too many horses in a space can minimize the development of mud too, but just being familiar with where water tends to settle, um, diverting it with tiling or geotextile fabric or some of those sorts of things um, can can help a lot. Um, and I'm sure um, the horse also has some pretty good articles on managing mud too, so you may want to take a look at those for a more extensive answer. But um, yeah, I, that, that I think is what's going to cause more problems going forward um, is it seems like once upon a time when it got to be winter, it would be in the 20s and it would stay in the 20s. But mm -hmm. the last few winters, the fluctuations have just been huge. And so we're going to have to deal with mud, frozen mud and ice um, probably in a month long cycle, it seems. Um, so I, that is going to be more complicated, I think, than when it just got cold and stayed cold. Yeah, and we're definitely seeing that here in the, the high desert out west. Uh, it used to just get cold and everything was pretty dry and frozen, um, but now we're getting those freeze-thaw cycles, which are so hard on um, management and then also uh, end up causing lots of hoof abscesses because you get the cold and the bruising right. from on the frozen ground um, and then you know the bacteria from it being so wet and soggy. Oh, we have a question from our live audience. Linda wants to know if you have any recommendations for riding in the snow. When is it safe to ride a horse in the snow? Um, can it be too difficult for horses riding in the snow? Is there a depth that maybe people should avoid? Um, you know, I would look at snow a bit like I would look at a lot of footing, although it's a little bit different. Um, but I would be, my biggest concern with riding in the snow would be knowing what's underneath the snow. Mm -hmm. Um, and depending on the depth of it, you know, if they get down to sheet ice, that's a problem. And as you've probably noticed, I am not a big, <laughs> I'm very scared of ice and all okay. things ice. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And so, um, you know, that would be my biggest concern about riding in the snow is what's underneath the snow. Um, obviously, if it gets to be, um, you know, 
uh, and I'm just sort of guessing here, but it depends on the size of the, a little bit on the size, the height of the horse and that sort of thing. But, you know, I would say if they're having a, they're having to struggle to get through it without you riding them. So if it's in a pasture situation and it's over their knees and it's a real struggle for them, um, then they're going to tell you that that maybe is not the best place to ride or the best time to ride. Um, it's a little better than than super deep dirt or footing in an arena just because it's not quite as heavy. But um, I would say just, just kind of let them tell you how big a struggle it is. But my bigger concern is what's underneath it. Yeah, I think of just how hard it is to feed in the deep snow, you know, tromping out. Mm -hmm. uh, across the snow it's up to your knees and it's just it's a, a all it's a workout just to get hay thrown and I think of how hard that can be on them too if we're wanting to it you know there's that that idea of galloping through the snow right <laughs> to get your photo so maybe get on get your Instagram right. photo get off uh, and go back inside <laughs> right be done right that that would be my suggestion yep. <laughs> We have a couple questions from the live audience. Uh, Denise and Angela also both want to know, when is it too cold to ride? You know, um, that is kind of a tough one. Um, there, I've heard different numbers, um, but I would say anything in, um, and again, it depends a bit on what the horses have been acclimated to and what they're used to. Um, but, and by ride, do you mean walk and trot? Do you mean full on workout, um, where they're, they're cantering or loping a fair bit? Um, but I would say when it gets to be in the, for some reason I have 10 degrees stuck in my head, um, 10 or lower is pretty cold. Um, and you know, if it's kind of like, you know, when you inhale, air and it's that temperature, um, your nasal passages are cold or, or feel frozen, um, and it's just not comfortable typically. So I would say um, in those ranges, there's no real benefit to getting a horse heated really warm and then having them in that type of temperature personally. Um, so I, I would say 10 degrees is pretty cold, but again, it depends and what they're acclimated to. Yeah, and so and it's also relative because 10 sounds very cold to me. And I live in an area where it does get cold, but anything under 18 is my cutoff. Um, anything below that, mm -hmm. where um, friends that I have in California, they would think you're crazy to ride in 18 degree weather. So um, I think the bottom right. line is yeah, it, it, it depends a lot on right and the, how acclimated the horses are, but how acclimated the people are too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's okay to give yourself and your horse a day off if it is that cold. <laughs> so um, we have a question from Diane in New York who wants to know how to get horses to drink more um, in the winter and if warm water will help them drink more. Um, so many of you are probably familiar with a study from University of Pennsylvania a year or two ago or several years ago um, that looked at whether horses preferred warm water or cold water. Um, and that study has kind of been misinterpreted. If you really 
look at the study itself, what happened there was they horses had the opportunity to drink warm or cold, and when given the choice, they tend to drink the cold, but they didn't drink as much. And so um, the, it appears that they will, if all they have to choose from is warmer water, they will drink more. And so the, the best suggestion seems to be to only give them, I mean, not that you have to just give them warm water, because in Michigan, it might start warm, but it's going to freeze eventually. Yeah. But if it's it's very cold, um, you know, do give, and, and I've noticed my horses, when I put fresh water in buckets and that kind of thing, sometimes they will um, drink right away because that is warmer than, than maybe what was there before. So um, monitoring overall consumption, if you can, is, is a good idea. But, yeah, the research seems to show if, if all they have is warmer water, they will drink more. If they have the opportunity to choose between cold water and warm water, they'll choose the cold, but they won't drink as much. And uh, it doesn't appear that we really know why that is yet. But um, they do seem to drink more of the warm water. And we have a question from the choice they have. We have a question from Jenny in Alberta, Canada, and she wants to know how do you keep a horse hydrated and convince them to drink during the winter? Do you have any any suggestions to make sure they they're getting enough drink? Um, we have, you know, just putting a uh, a tablespoon, depending on the size of the horse and and what they're used to, making sure they have access to salt blocks. Um, and, and if they're in stalls, the stall blocks. Sometimes what I'll do if I know it's gonna, the temperature is gonna drop, is I'll put the stall block in the grain feeder and put the grain in, so they have to get a little bit in, uh, a little bit more salt, and then then they'll drink. Um, I went to town a month or so ago, and uh, my husband was responsible for the horses and he had one that that got a little I don't know for sure if she was was colicky or if it was a mild impaction or what it was but when I came home there was a big bucket of expensive electrolytes um so now we're feeding electrolytes because they're there yeah um that seems to keep them drinking too um but but even just a little bit of table salt will help encourage drinking. Um, you, know, you don't want to overdo it. You want to make sure they have access to plenty of water um, if you're going to offer that sort of thing. But those two things seem to help. And the other thing to keep in mind is that when horses are eating, uh, and especially if they're eating forage, they're, they're very likely also drinking. Um, they tend to drink the most between one and three hours after eating. So eating forage will encourage them to um, to drink as well. Um, but you do want to their intake and make sure that they're um, drinking what's normal for them um, and, and getting enough in. Work, you know, moving will also encourage them. So getting them moving, getting them turn out, working them will encourage them to drink also. So those would be my primary suggestions. We have a question from Jennifer in Kentucky who wants to know if you have any tips for keeping horse feed from freezing during winter. I think that she's probably referring to the beet pulp. <laughs> so how do you how do you keep their feed from freezing? Oh, I was going to say when I read that, I was like, I mean, if it's sweet feed, I'd say get something with less molasses because sometimes that will uh, that will freeze. But, you know, um, from a beet pulp perspective, 
Um, I guess I don't have any great tips. There's probably somebody who has more experience in feeding beet pulp um, than I do, unless you can soak it in a warm area or in yeah. your house and then take it out. But um, just, that would be just, about the best suggestion I could make. Yeah, just like I'm not allowed to do horse laundry in my house laundry room, I'm also not allowed to uh, soak beet pulp in my laundry room. My husband has asked me not to do that, so I don't. <laughs> so, so instead, I, uh, wow. I, well, you know, <laughs> fair. Um, when yeah. when your your laundry fair. room turns into a feed room and attack room. Um, so for me, I just switch to a feed that's a beet pulp-based feed um, that doesn't have to be soaked. It, you know, it has it's a shredded beet pulp, um, a senior type feed um, yeah. that my horses do very well on, and it does get clumpy in in when it's really cold, but not so much that the horses won't eat it. So that's been my solution because I did get tired of um, of frozen beet pulp and and all those challenges. So. Right. Well, and you know, the good news is feed companies are making new formulations and and products every day that has the have maybe the things that we want, like you say, shredded beet pulp or pelleted beet pulp. Um, so there are probably going to be ways to get around some of those things. So unfortunately, that's all the time that we have for tonight. That our hour is, is already over. Um, I want to thank Dr. Waite for joining us tonight. Thank you. It's been great. I'm, the hour went by really fast. <laughs> it always goes by super fast. Um, I hope all of you can join us next month. We're going to be talking about equine welfare um, and being responsible horse owners. Until then, from all of us here at The Horse, have a great night.